Hungry Trilobite podcast would like to start by acknowledging SoonerCon. The longest-running pop culture con in Oklahoma has a new look, a new mascot, and a fantastic guest list. Join us in Norman, Oklahoma, June 30th through July 2nd, 2023, and meet celebrities such as Billy West, John Scalzi, Erica Harlicker, and John Swayze. Visit SoonerCon.com to reserve your membership. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. It's no secret that I love Star Trek Lower Decks, and I love it because it takes something I've loved a long time. It's been a part of my life since I was a little kid, but it puts a fresh new spin on it and keeps it really exciting in a fun way. I really enjoy talking with people who are part of that creative team, and today I've got somebody, Phil Murphy, right now. On tap today, we have Philip Murphy. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, and how are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk to you. My audience is mostly going to know you from your work on Lower Decks, but you have an extensive resume of design work that I really would like to talk about. So That's cool. That's cool. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I work on Lower Decks. So I've worked on a few other shows and comics. So where you want to start, feel free to... Shoot me any questions. Yeah. I, I think I would be, I can't help but be curious about your work with the Star Trek Transformer crossover. Uh, that is such <laughs> yeah. a fun idea. And and people like you and I are, are not going to be able to resist talking about that. So why don't we just start, go ahead and start there? Uh, sure. What would you like to know? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, when it came to putting together the, the mishmash of the Enterprise and the Transformer form, how did that start? How did you uh, tackle that? Well, we we knew going in that we wanted to fit everything inside the animated series universe. So we couldn't really have super detailed Transformers off the bat because they would stand out. Uh, so we went through, we said G1 would probably be the best version of the Transformers to go with. And then the story progressed. We as the story went on, we found out that the Enterprise would transform from Fortress Maximus into Fortress Tiberius. So we had to start at Fortress Maximus and figure out how he would transform into the Enterprise. So we went through a few designs and we settled on what you see in the comics. Uh, we, we tried to dial back the detail a lot to make it fit the, the animated series Enterprise. And it, it was, it was, a few designs went through, but I think it got there in the end. The animated series, and I love it, by the way. So you're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're talking to a fan here. But, I mean, we had the case of we had the inflatable Enterprise decoy. And yeah. we had we had ideas like that. So I'm guessing that when it comes to making a Transformer out of the Enterprise, you're not super worried about the engineering aspects of how it's going to actually function. No, no. I'm... Um, even when you go back to the original G1 Transformers, they didn't really look like the toys that were transforming. So you could have a little leeway there when we decide. So we put the cells on the back and the legs kind of transformed out of the center uh, piece of the other. So we kind of fiddled around with how it would look. And I think it, it, it works for what it is like. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's a really good point that you're making there. If you're talking about, you know, cars and trucks, especially that first generation of transformers that would flip around. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't actually be functional as vehicles, even if you could make them make do this transformation there. That's you just kind of believe it as for the logic of what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to kind of suspension of disbelief when you go into the Transformers universe. Because <laughs> yeah. again, how how could a giant transformer turn into a little tiny radio? So mm-hmm. even then it's a suspension of disbelief is needed in that universe. And you have to just immediately think of scale being something that's not going to factor in here because they seem to grow and shrink at the convenience of the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the old G1 series there, you couldn't really judge by the size of anything because sometimes they're the size of buildings, the next time they're the size of normal humans. But the thing is, it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. And, I, and the crossover that you put together, it is just a lot of fun in general. Yeah, we, we try we try to have as much fun as possible going into it. You know, and I think that's something we don't get enough of now, especially there's a certain segment of the Trek fandom that is just not understanding that we want to have fun first and foremost when we go into these things. Yeah, yeah. It's a Star Trek is is very um it can be fun. It, there's a lot of fun episodes of Star Trek. Yeah, um Lower Decks especially. It's hard to do comedy with lower decks that in Star Trek. Part of what makes it work, though, is the look of it. And uh, you're designing props for Lower Decks. Yeah. And, yeah. and the show being so visual and it, it really, even though it's not really high on detail, it's high on it's high on story detail. You cram a lot of factoids and references in there. And that's that's a tough ask for you know, a show that has a history going back over 50 years at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, Lower Decks is definitely a love letter to the fans, sorry. It's um, it's trying to get as much as the history of Star Trek in as possible into a half an hour format. So along with the story that's being told, so we try, um, try their best fish um, stuff that the fans will recognize and that newcomers will say, hey, look at that, I might go back and see where that actually episode that came from and check it out. And in a way, that's, I think that's a way of a lot of us came into it that we would grow up, we would watch maybe the original series or Next Gen or DS9 or whatever was kind of on when we came, we found the show and there's all these references in there that we have to go back and say, oh, well, where did this come from? Does this mean something? Can I look at that? And now Lower Decks is just one of those cases where there's so much to cram in there. Almost every line is a wink or a nod somehow. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot easier now because, as I said, growing up, it was, uh, all the references might have been, you might have already noticed them years later through reruns um, or the books that came out through the years that said, oh, this happened in this episode and this happened in that episode. Now we can, everything's uh, you're basically at hands talk, so you can, oh, that happened in that episode, I'll go back and look at that episode to see what bigger meaning that has. And that's, it's something that comic book fans especially are are going to be, they're going to recognize that process because they, that comics have a, a history. They, they invented the idea of just saying, okay, here's a reference here, here's a footnote. They love footnotes in comics. And I think yeah, TV yeah. is one of those things that we just hadn't got their heads around that just yet. 
uh, uh, it's, uh, as I said, the editor's note down the corner is, oh, this happened in this episode, go back and look at it. So uh, Easter eggs is really fun trying to, uh, trying to get those in uh, on any show. Like, um, so when the fans see it, it's always a, a good reward with Tinder. Oh, I remember, I see that, I remember the episode, and uh, this happened in this uh, episode. So it's always fun to see that. What kind of Easter eggs are you thinking of that you might have been able to slip in, or at least that you might have put your two cents in? Uh, I, 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 I won't say anything yet because season four is just around the corner, and I don't sure. want anything to slip. But yeah, and, there and might I'm be not, a few. I, I just I was like, I'm not in the business of getting anybody in trouble, so no, no worries there. <laughs> no problem. But um, I, I guess I would then ask. We're talking about you know, how much you love this kind of stuff. I'm guessing you have a, a pretty good appreciation for the history of, of animation and comics because there's just, I see it in your work there. Is there something that inspired you or that you really enjoyed growing up? But, uh, you know, we're talking about how things are changing and, uh, you know, it, I agree with you. You can't just stay stuck in the past. You got to just appreciate the present for whatever it is. But there's now this trend now to to go in and and revise and revisit update shows that we used to like as kids, and you know, hey, I'm all about that because I think it's great. But do you see any particular success stories that are out there? Um, yeah. Well, rebooting things is always going to be hard because you have to deal with two factions of kind of the original fans and the newcomers, and you have to kind of find a balance between those. Um, I think. Um, the best thing, the best um, property that's been doing that is the TMNT show because there's been five or six versions of the TMNT show and they've all been well received. Uh, I think that that's been the best of that. Uh, uh, another one um, would have been I like the um, Thundercats version that was out recently there, uh, it, it, and there's been two of those. I think they were both very good. The um the 2011 version and the um the Thundercats Roar version. So, again, two different styles for two different audiences. You don't have to have one version for one, and then everyone enjoys it. You can can have multiple versions and have something for everyone. That's a really good call on that. I mean, Ninja Turtles has been revitalized many times, and they've recycled it and they put a new spin on it, and. Each one might not be for everybody, but each one found its audience. Nobody said this is this is totally pure trash. Nobody likes it. I, I think that there's something to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's it's always going to be hard because sometimes the fans want the original property to grow up with them, but then you're kind of cutting out the new kids that are coming in that might want to look at it and mightn't be able to because it's a, it's more of an adult version. It's always nice to have a, a multiple version of something like uh, even lower decks that can be viewed by um everyone um uh, newcomers fans of the original series they'll all find something they like sure and uh, lower decks i do actually recommend it for newcomers even though it's there's so many jokes they're not going to get it's so much fun to watch the story play out that you almost i don't think you would mind that and you know i come into it as a, a long time fan so it's hard for me to say that authoritatively but I, I really just think that it's so it's a genuinely funny show and there are so many shows that don't make you laugh the way Lower Decks makes you laugh. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly funny show. Um it's well it's well written and it's it actually feels like it takes place in the Star Trek universe. Uh, mm -hmm. as a more comedy version. Yeah. So um 
as I said, newer people would see it and then get, and I'd go back and say, oh, I might like TNG or Voyager, and then they might go back and look at TOS and the original animation series, which is always good. Yeah, yeah, it's always um, it's uh, when they go back and watch it. Like the lower decks might have a, a as I said earlier on, a little Easter egg in there that might say, "Oh, it did happen in the episode the Age series," and they go back and look at it and they become a fan of that. So that, that that's always good when they go back and find things that they mightn't have liked before and they'd enjoy now. Yeah, which I think the anime series is actually getting in a whole new audience now, which is always good. Yeah, and it deserves it for sure. There's been so many people who have glossed over it because either they weren't able to watch it or they just assumed it would be silly. And I think, I mean, as not just not much of it out there, but it's worth a look for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't even watch the anime series until late life because it wasn't really shown over here. It was only on reruns that I was able to see it. So. And I enjoyed it because I was I was a big fan of the filmation and the Hanna Barbera series that were out at the time, and it was very much in the vein of that. It was actually my introduction to the franchise, so I have a, a certain soft spot for it. Yeah, I, yeah. Even though I knew it wasn't the the original show, I knew I knew there's something else that I wasn't supposed to be seeing. It it appealed to me right at that, and you know I was a little little kid, so it just made me say. I'm going to find more. And that's what I think all the shows do in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And for the longest time, it wasn't even considered canon. But I, but I think going back, even just looking at it outside from, it actually has some really good written episodes that would actually fit in to the, the original series very well. Agreed for sure. If you, it's not even the visuals that are the problem. It's, yeah. The length of the episodes. It's the fact that you have a 25-minute episode when every other show was 50 minutes prior to that. You, they feel shorter. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And they have to cut a lot of the um, excess. Out of it. And it's, it's harder to shove a, a 45 to 50-minute episode into half an hour. So I think they really did a really good job in those animation series that they're able to do that. Yeah, uh, given that limitation, they recover for it very well. But you know, when that's when your frame of reference is a fifty-minute episode, and then we didn't have half-hour episodes again until Short Treks came along, and then Lower Decks. So yeah, yeah, it was the oddball yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, the um, the format Star Trek always lends itself well to animation, I think, because. You can do a lot more in animation than you couldn't do it can do in live action, because you could have bigger, bigger ships, bigger aliens, bigger stories, uh, and it, I think it would it translate very well into animation. It does. The, the fact that there are, like you said, some things you just can't do, and the fact that we had immediately put in the characters of RX and Marex, which were characters that they wouldn't have been able to do with the the technology of the time, and probably wouldn't have been able to do until many years later anyway animation made it happen yeah yeah even now something like erex on on screen would be a lot of budget for just for that one character mm -hmm. in every episode of a, of a show um they might be pulled off now with the technology that's there but back then it would have been completely out of the question unless it would have been totally puppets and special effects and i, I don't, even at the height of star trek i don't think it could have pulled off that even at the movie level. No. For a, a character to be fully on screen constantly. 
Sure. I mean, the best they got there was a a background character who was a, a Cation, and they they had the the cat person makeup, and that character was only on screen for a very just a a few minutes, I think, or even a few seconds. It was like they just managed to make it work, and they got them off screen right away. And that was like yeah, so yeah. for a movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, even in Discovery, I think the the high, Saru the makeup effects are, are just phenomenal on on that. Uh, but again, it's it's a human inside. Uh, if you have something going around on like all fours with a longer neck and something, uh, that would eat up a lot of the budget per episode. So again, animation would, is probably the best place to find all those extreme alien designs. And the the, you know, the making the giant Spock and the, yeah. the episodes where they take him into the to another universe. I mean, that that's all that stuff animation made possible. And I, I I'm I mourn the fact that it didn't happen again until much much later. I think that having an animated series in the '90s or early 2000s would have been a lot of fun too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think Star Trek. It's always going to have that kind of fan base that wants the live action, uh, uh, constant. Like, uh, but I think animation is the future of uh, what what the thing, what the um the series can be. Even um, it can go on for years and years if you just have the live action and an animated series like Side Shot. It would be great. Like. I'll also toss this out there. This is something that some people might not be considering as much, but we have a lot of the characters from the first few series are now not spring chickens anymore. Let's let's be honest. They're either retired <laughs> or deciding they don't want to be active in the roles, or they might not feel that they can, you know, sell the role the way they could earlier. This gives them the opportunity to show the character in a different light they, they and they don't have to put on the makeup they don't have to be on the set they can just do a voice and you know contribute that way and that they, they can revisit the character if they choose to through animation exactly yeah um even there could be even even in um kind of untold stories of like captain picard's journeys or even captain kirk or spock's uh, journeys it, they could all be told through animation. Mm -hmm. uh, flashbacks are, so as I said, short tracks are, are, are great um, for that. Even in Lower Decks, the uh, guest characters are, are coming in, like we had George Takeda, and, which is great seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not just trying to you know, make different effects. Sometimes just making it the, the process more accessible for an actor who is... You know, just deciding that they don't want to put a whole lot of time into it, but still wants to give it a shot. Hey, these are the chances to get a new Kirk story, a new George, uh, Sulu story, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and uh, it's great. Um, even uh, having newcomers come in and and, and seeing all that, uh, I said that you have to. The fan base isn't get, uh, getting any younger, so having newcomers come in and enjoy through the in prodigy bringing a whole new generation of kids like so mm -hmm. it's all all new trek fans are great like yeah a prodigy hit it out of the park as far as <laughs> making something that is totally new totally fresh but still rooted in the original lore and i mean you can know absolutely nothing you can know absolutely everything and prodigy is going to be able to tell you a story and i think that's it's a win yeah yeah um 
I, I think even more episodes are more series like that set in the Star Trek universe, where it doesn't have to be focused entirely on the um, Starfleet or the Klingons or just a, a crew off on their own discovering the universe and what Star Trek is really about. That would be great. Like. Agreed. We as fans know enough that I think we can stretch beyond the the original model of, well, we have the crew on the bridge, on the ship, this is the mission. Like, yeah, but there's so many other people out there. Like now we, we just grab this 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 batch of teenagers who found a ship and they're they're trying to just make their way in the universe. I mean, that's a good story. It doesn't have to be the same cookie cutter military plot. I don't want to say cookie cutter in a bad way, but you know, the first six shows kind of had the same basic framework. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, even in the lower decks, it's it's not really the best of the best um, kind of on the bridge or going out into the best missions. Or it's just like the guys doing the everyday jobs that need to be done in the background and focusing on those and having seen their adventures, which is always great too. Even the original series, those episodes that were in TNG, the lower decks episodes, mm-hmm. it was always great to see what happens not on the main bridge crew or or any of the side characters, just the guys down in the bottom of the decks getting the job done mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and, and that was definitely a geneism is that you know you want to show the best of the best and you, you have your utopia and we, we understand this what it was going for but it's important to show people what will be like for anybody in the future not necessarily the best of the best because you know if you don't see yourself as the best of the best you still want to see yourself on the screen yeah yeah um again the the, the um the original series had a very um I won't say militaristic approach. It was kind of ju- just like the Starfleet itself kind of going out as, as explorers. It, it does, but there's also other things you could tell a story about how Frangi merchant out um, trying to con people out of their savings or a kind of uh, one story I would like to see is um, the rise of the Klingon Empire uh, with Kalis. And I think that would be a great story. A kind of thing about just Game of Thrones in space. Uh, that would be yes. a, a great show to see. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a heck of yeah. a lot of fun. I, I mean, I would definitely want to see a Tal Shiar story. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we hear about them, but we never really get a chance to, to see them in action. And you know that that's a Romulan thing in general is that we didn't really get a chance to see the Romulans much because they it just we never had the right story. And I think that would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um... TNG, they're very much the enemy. It wasn't until later um, in, in, through the movies and and the Picard series that you could see um, the Romulans as kind of a people in, in itself. Mm-hmm. But as the and then Cardassians of City in Order, and of course the, there's the new Section 31 series or movie. Um, well, starting with that, that that'll be cool to see. All these little kind of, they're not main Starfleet or they're not main kind of Klingons or like just kind of off to the side stories in the Star Trek universe that could be told. Mm-hmm. So I, I, mean, I love the fact that you're a fan and you're getting into this and you're just having fun with it. And I'm thinking <laughs> there's probably somebody listening now that is thinking what you're doing is so flipping cool because I think it's so flipping cool. Um. If somebody's wanting to follow in your footsteps, if they have an interest in this, what would you suggest they do for themselves? Uh, keep trying that. It's the best 
the best advice I could give anyone, really. Um, keep it, um, anything you see, if you see any job postings for any shows or anything, um, put your portfolio forward, it can't hurt to get your work out there. Kind of build um, build it up. Um, it, depending on what position you're going for, it's always great to cater your portfolio towards that or even have separate portfolios for anything you're you're going for like if it's for this type of show it's probably better to have a portfolio filled with that and um always great to kind of work with the people around you kind of get advice off them see what you can learn and uh, that's basically what i did um I, again i say there's a lot of luck involved in it too you have to be in the right place at the right time kind of when things are going you need to be ready for that and that's basically it as well <laughs> That that's good advice for sure. So, what are you working on in the future? Is there something we can see from you aside from the upcoming lower decks? Which mum's the word on that? Any anything else you have brewing? Oh, right now you can catch Animaniacs. Um, that's been released earlier this year along with Super Turbo Story Time. If you like anything about cars and crazy how crazy stories about how the cars came to be, that that's great. And um. Okay. Later this year, um, as I said, Lord X is coming out. And of course, you have the Venture Brothers movie that's coming out too. And I'm working on a show now. Um, it's going to come now soon. Uh, it's The Hospital from Amazon. It's another sci-fi show about a hospital. Uh, so I think any fans of Lower Decks will like that. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put that in the show notes on my website, aaronvosig.com. Where can people follow you and your ventures on the web? Um, you can best place to find me is on Twitter at CrackChesterX, and I'm always talking about Star Trek. So <laughs> if you have any, yeah. if you like to interact with people, talk about Star Trek. So that's the best place to be or uh, to find me. Your your account is great. You post a lot of fun stuff, and I strongly recommend anybody who just even has a slight interest in Trek to give you a follow. That's great. I'm always happy to interact with other Trek fans and discuss Trek. Awesome. Well, Phil, thank you so much for being here. I'd be glad to have you back anytime. Thanks very much. I'd be happy to come back anytime. Thanks for having me. I would like to thank Phil for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. I mentioned before that I enjoy Star Trek Lower Decks a lot because it takes something that I've been watching since I was a little kid and it puts a fresh new spin on it with a fun coat of paint. It really brings out something new and different in the story. That's what Lower Decks is for me. What are you watching right now that might be putting a new spin on one of your old favorites? Is it something that's adding something new to Star Wars or to Marvel, DC, Lord of the Rings? What's your flavor of the month? Reach out to me at bossigpodcast at yahoo.com or follow me at Aaron Bossig on Twitter or Instagram. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.